Welcome to the Life After Swim podcast. We have a very special guest this week, my collegiate swim coach, Katie Cameron. She's been a coach for 23 years. She began her coaching career at Bryant in 2005, and she also graduated from Syracuse. How are you doing, Coach? Alexa, thanks so much for having me on this podcast. This is the first time anybody's ever invited me to a podcast, and I'm so honored. Um, I am doing great. Let's just backtrack for a second, though. I did actually get my start coaching at Wagner College in 2000, um, no, 1998, and then I came to Bryant in 2005. You're right with the 23 years, but it was split a little bit between Wagner and Bryant. Actually, let's just start with that. Like what kind of, because Wagner is also in our conference. So what made you want to come to Bryant? Well, I got this ring on my finger, you know, my wedding ring. So it's actually kind of a funny story, I think. Um, Jeremy and I got married in 2004 in late December, right before Christmas. And we got married. We went on our honeymoon. Um lived together for about a day. And then I went on our training trip. Um, and I'll never forget it. I was standing poolside between sessions and Jeremy called and he said, um, don't worry, but I'm going to have an interview at a small school, um, called mass maritime Academy in Cape Cod, but I don't plan on ever taking it. I don't know that they'll ever offer it to me. Um, but I'm going to go do it. And I said, okay. And I said, he's, really right we're not taking this job because we were on the brink of really winning a conference championship at Wagner and uh, I'm a a true New Yorker so I was like we're not going anywhere and then about two three days later I was standing poolside again and he called and he said you'll never believe it but they offered me the job Um, and I believe the story goes is he was going to have the opportunity to be one of the youngest head football coaches in the country. Um, And he just was very clear that it was a great opportunity for him um, and something that we probably shouldn't pass up. Um, And at first I was adamant that I was not going. Um, We had only been married about 14 days. And I said, that's great. You go. I am staying here with my team and this program that we have developed. Um, And I was such a nut that I actually went and I spoke with administration um, at Wagner and my team. And I said, yep, Jeremy's moving, but I'm staying and we're going to figure it out. We'll we'll do a long distance marriage here for a little bit and see how it goes. And many of the women were like, great. And some looked at me like, what is wrong with you? How could you possibly ever do that? And then probably after about two months of talking about it, I realized this is nuts. Um, This is no way to start a marriage. So we ended up that April um, coming up, moving up to New England, buying a house on Cape Cod, and I didn't have a job. And that was very scary to me. Um, But I knew that we would figure it out. And then uh, June of that summer, um, Jeremy got word that Bryant was going to be starting a swim program. Um, And ironically, Jeremy had worked at Bryant years prior. Um, He was on the original football staff here at Bryant. So um, one of the administrators said, you know what? Tell your wife to hang on. Um, We may be starting a program. And they announced that they were starting a program. Um, I reached out. 
they interviewed me. And then 16 years later, that's how we ended up at Bryant. Wow. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I always tell the silly story of I left New York yelling and screaming. But if I ever have to leave Smithfield, Rhode Island, I'll be yelling and screaming a lot louder. Right. And that's that's saying something because (laughs) I know it is right. But Bryant is a special place. No, that's a great story. That's the first time I'm hearing that. So that's awesome. Is that right? Yeah. You know, get me at the wrong time. And I have a lot to say about being married for four days and then being told we're moving. So for people that don't know, Coach lives about an hour and a half from Brian. So like what, how have you achieved like the work-life balance, just spending time with your family and also just being a head coach at Brian? Sure. So it is a lot. Um, We're never going to deny that. It's a little over an hour ride. I often laugh. It's, uh, It's 70 miles. Um, and when coach Jerry first worked with me and people would ask, I would always say it's an hour. And then as time went on, probably by the time he left me six years later, I would always say it's a little over an hour. And he said, why is that commute starting to grow? I don't get it. Um, but it's fine. It's pretty traffic free. I know what I'm, I'm in for. It's not like trying to travel in in New York city. Um, so I'm okay with the commute. I've, I've grown to. Take it for what it is. Um, it's some good quiet time. My son actually laughs at me a lot because he'll say to me, what did you do on your way home? What did you listen to or whatever? And um, in the last couple of years, I often say to him, Dolan, I don't listen to anything. The silence is a dream come true from by the time I leave the house and everybody's chatting at me um, or the number of times I hear the, I just have a quick question for you when we're at the pool. So sometimes the silence is good. Um, to the work-life balance, um, or I heard somebody call it recently, work-life harmony. Um, it, it's a struggle at times. Um, I would say we have an incredible family support system. Um, both of us being head coaches can be trying at times, but can also be a blessing in terms of being able to make some adjustments to our schedule that, that we need to. Um, my, my in-laws are incredible to us. Um, they have really been amazing in terms of helping us, um, with, with our three kids. Um, my mother-in-law has devoted, you know, a lot of time to helping, helping us out, whether it be, you know, three days a week sometimes, or even right now, she still comes, even when the kids are older, she still comes Thursday mornings and stays over, um, so that Jeremy and I can have a date night. Um, which is important about that life-work balance. But I think the other thing that that I've chosen to do, and, and some may be judgmental about it, but I'm okay missing some things within our program. Um, and when I say missing things, it's a workout um, here and there or, or whatever it might be, the way we schedule it. Um, we have a great staff here, um, and I'd like to think that I try to empower them and let them um, have the opportunity to grow, but I can trust them to be on deck with a group um, on a regular, consistent basis. So I don't have to be on deck um, and be confident that I know something, and everybody's still being productive. Um, that has been really, really helpful, just letting other coaches run certain things. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point you make. Were you always like that, or you kind of learned that as the years went on? 
No, um, I actually was always like that. Um, I, I had said early on when I knew we were going to have children and when we had children, um, I wanted to be home to either send them to school or I want to be at home when they come back. Um, I, I couldn't envision not being there for the whole day. Um, so that's kind of the way we've worked out the schedule. You know, a lot of times if I do the morning workout, then I'm not here in the afternoon, um, but somebody else from the staff can. So being a good mother has always been incredibly important to me. Um, and again, you know, some may judge me for that, but I think it's, it's what's worked for us. Um, and I think it's a great opportunity for our assistant coaches um, to have that freedom and that comfortability that they know that they can run some workouts without me standing over their back saying, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, I think it helps their growth at the same time. Yeah, I really like actually how you do that. I feel like that kind of gave me a chance to get closer with those coaches too, from like just swimming with you for four years. I think that actually worked to your advantage. Absolutely. I think it's huge. And I think that that's, you know, how it started. But now even too, we make sure that every coach is coaching every group. This way they have exposure to every athlete. Um, this way they get to know every athlete and they can, can build connections. Um, but then it goes the other way as well. We want every athlete exposed to every coach because um, you may hear something differently from a different coach. We may be saying the same thing, but you just hear it and receive it better. Um, another coach may see something that I don't see. And you know what? There's going to be times where maybe we just don't connect with certain people. So why should we limit ourselves to always coaching one athlete or one athlete being exposed to one coach? If we mix it up a little bit, uh, maybe you're going to have one day a week where you're like, oh, coach is coaching me this week. But at least, you know, it's only one day a week. Right. So I think mixing it up um, has been been good for our staff and good for our athletes. Awesome. Yeah, I remember when some of your kids have been on deck. Are you are they starting sports now? They're a little older now. So how has that been? That has been a huge adjustment. Um, in some ways, life was easier when they were younger because you could just pack them up and, and bring them. Um, Alexi, you're probably not going to believe it because most don't. But our children are now 13, 14 and 15. So. Fifteen. Um, Fifteen. I have a. We have a fifteen-year-old. Um, so they have all their own things going on. The boys are baseball players. Um, Riley is a swimmer. Um, so they are not around um, almost ever, unfortunately, because they're always doing their own thing at this point. So it's a big adjustment. So if I'm doing the math correctly, if one is fifteen and you've been coaching at Bryant since two thousand five. Did you have them like while you were at Bryant? Yep. We arrived in April of 2005. And then Dolan was born in June of 2006. So wow. just about a year. Um, Riley was born in April of 2007. And then Casey was born in May of 2008. So they, in their first year of life, they spent a lot of time on the Bryant pool deck. Um, we had it down to a little science. We'd go for a, a little run, get all that energy out. And then more times than not, it was nap time during practice. So they would get in their carriage and they'd take a little nap and uh, 
we would go from there. But yeah, they, they were a huge part of our program early on, spending a lot of time on deck. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it's 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 been great. I think it's been great for them to be a part of it. And I think it's been great um, for our team. They definitely brought some uh, laughter to us at times, right? Um, and I think it's been great for our athletes to to be able to see a woman, um, a mom, um, be able to manage both sides of it. Um, and I'd like to think manage, of it, manage both sides of it pretty okay, right? <laughs> So I did some research and I found that you were one of a few of the female head coaches for a men's and women's swimming program. How has that experience been for you? It's been interesting. There has been plenty of times on deck um, where I am the only female head coach. Um, It was great to see the invite that we were just at this year. Um, There were four or five other female head coaches. um, And that was really refreshing to me. Um, But in terms of big picture, I I, I do believe that I'm only one of five female head coaches of a men's program um, at the division one level. So it is slightly unique, um, but I would never want it any other way. You know, the men's program, it's a true blessing to be able to coach a men's and women's program here at at Bryant. So um, yeah, we're in the minority, but I don't know that it's um, hindered me in any way, or I I don't have any major complaints about it. Um, You know, I would love to encourage um, female coaches to stick with it and drive through to, you know, get to that highest point of their career. Um, And I always just say that it can be done. You know, you have to make certain choices, but um, it absolutely can be done if you have the right support staff. So kind of doing a little 180 with everything that's happened in the past year and a half, how has your perspective changed as like, just as a person and a coach overall? So that of course is a question. I think I've, a lot of us have really thought a lot about in the last 18 months, right? Um, our world was flipped upside down in, in so many ways, um, I've always been somebody who is grateful and I respect, um, or we talk a lot about gratitude, Um, but I will say going through the pandemic now here in the end, I am grateful more than ever. Um, We did not have any illness in our immediate family, um, you know, or my siblings or Jeremy's siblings or anything like that. So I feel very grateful that we were not hit in that way. our children were amazing during the pandemic. Um, I mean, just think about it, having a, at that time, 12, 13 and 14 year old in your house when they're never going to school, they're not playing sports. It could have been ugly, um, but they, they kept a routine. They did an awesome job um, from a school standpoint. Um, and I think it was, in some ways, nice for Jeremy and I to be home a little bit more, you know, typically we would never be home in the fall, not never be home, but, you know, have limited time with them in the fall. And then all of a sudden um, we, we were there and I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to be there with them, but I'm just grateful. Um, we, we actually, um, unlike a lot of other teams, we were able to have a season. Um, it was different. It was short. It was about eight weeks. Um, but I'm grateful that we were able to keep some normalcy in our life. Um, 
What did I learn from it from a coaching standpoint? Um, I think we've made some adjustments in our training. We were always a very dry land based program where we do a lot outside of the water, right? Um, but we've even limited now our time in the water. Um, we try to go on over an hour and a half for the most part um, with the sprint workouts. Um, and even our, our distance athletes um, are, are under two hours right now. I just, I'm starting to think that maybe you can get a lot more done in a little less time, um, you know, and just being mindful of all the other things they have going on in their life. Um, so just valuing a lot of the recovery piece more than ever, you know, we, we started to do a lot more, more stretching, um, just different things like that. We're still working really, really hard, but at the same time, probably not doing as much yardage, um, as, as we were two years ago, um, and, and really trying to key in on some of the fine point, finer points. Yeah, that, that's pretty unique. I feel like compared to club swimming, it's like three and a half hours a day. So kind of what made you like, like, was it from last year, just like the success we had last year, because we were down bad for a little while. And then suddenly. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, last year was was so unique. Yes, we were not able to train a ton. We, we were limited. Um, but then we were able to bounce back and have a great meet. Um, I think a lot of that was was mindset um, and kind of the no pressure. Um, we talk a lot about it being like, we got nothing to lose here. We, you know, we only have a true eight weeks of training under our belt. So let's just step up, have some fun and see what we can do with it. Um, so I think that really helped us. I also think we had so much, such a great base behind us that we were able to do it. Um, now, would we be able to do that again? I don't know. Um, I keep saying, I think you can only dip into the well so many times. And I think that time was only once, you know? So we are, are back to the grind in some ways. We've limited some things, but um, it was a special year. And I think just the way the athletes handled themselves and their mindset helped us a lot last year. Yeah. You mentioned building the base. I think, I don't know how common this is, but um, like in my case, I think the hard work kind of transferred over one year, junior year, like I trained my ass off and it kind of, that was probably, I would say my worst conference. And then senior year, like that kind of, so I feel like hard work always pays off. It just, is that common in swimming? Absolutely. Um, we've seen it a lot. Sometimes what you do the year prior pays off the following year. It just takes some time to to settle in. And I don't think that's the case for everybody. Um, I, you know, maybe it's a pretty, pretty split, um, thing, but I think it, it often happens that you, you work one year based off what you put in the year prior. So, you know, and I think that maybe that's a great example though, too, of we didn't do a whole lot last year. Right. So we got to make sure that we're, we're putting, putting some back in, into the base so that we're moving forward in the right direction. Right. Going so we are going on our fourth consecutive year winning the conference for the women's side and the men actually joined the conference so they won last year so has every year like how, what has changed like in your mindset going into each year? I think it's really important that we start over with a clean slate right because one quarter of the team for us is new every year 
and one quarter of the team for every other program in the conference is new every year. So, um, and then in addition to that, you, you always have some outside factors that are going to play in, but just because you won last year or the last four years, nobody's going to step back and say, whoa, let them win again, right? I think in some ways it almost makes it harder um, because now you're the hunted a little bit more. Um, so we, we talk a lot about just doing our job, take care of what we can take care of, but know that you know, nothing is going to be handed to us on a, on a silver platter that everything starts new every season. Yeah. I think that actually played to our advantage last year because we just lost so many dual mates at that point. But like you said, the no pressure really played a factor. That, absolutely. Right. And that was scary. Not one dual <laughs> meet win. Yikes. <laughs> um, you know, I was kind of glad that we weren't at at, at central because I'm sure there was a lot 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 of lot of thoughts going through our women's heads at that point. Um, I was actually with the men at a dual meet that, that same day so I wasn't there. Um, but I think coach Brian hopefully man managed the mindset there to the best of his ability. I know you weren't there but the we took it very well like we were still like do it, acting as if like we were at NECs like it was very <laughs> good as you should. Um, and coach Brian had said that, that you guys that were, were great about it, but, um, I, it's like one of those things, like, I don't even know because there was so much going on. Um, I don't even know if it dawned on me that we hadn't won a dual meet, you know, it wasn't until later on, um, or actually one, probably our first dual meet this year, somebody said, Oh, congratulations to a sophomore. That's your first dual meet win. And I was like, what, what does that mean? And then I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like to say it as we won or we lost every battle, but we won the war, which was NEC. So love it. Love it. Love it. Well said. <laughs> so did you always know you wanted to be a swim coach or was there like a specific event that made you want to? Yeah. So this um, is kind of a, a silly story. Um, I never knew that I wanted to be a swim coach. Um, I thought I wanted to go into the hotel world. Yeah, I wanted to be the next uh, owner of your, your biggest hotel chain. So didn't quite work out that way. Um, when I graduated college, um, I didn't have the opportunity to step right into the hotel world. So I backpacked through Europe for about six weeks, um, came back, interviewed a couple of times. Nothing was panning out because I didn't have a whole lot on my resume um, in the hotel world because I chose to train lots um, and be a beach lifeguard every summer. So at the time it was awesome. Um, in hindsight, maybe I should have done a better job with my internships if that's really what I wanted to do, but it all worked out. So when I get back from Europe, I had nothing going on. I was interviewing and um, I started to substitute teach um, and I got a permanent substitute teaching position um, in a sixth grade classroom in New York City um, where half the class spoke Haitian and the other half of the class um, spoke Spanish and I spoke neither. And I did that for about, you know, I was six months, but in the middle of that, um, I went back to my high school and helped my high school coach a little bit. Um, and I was enjoying coaching there. And then the athletic trainer came in and said, hey, Katie, do you know anybody um, that would like to work on their, um, go to grad school, get their master's? And I was like, hmm, why wouldn't that be me? And she was like, really? So 
I applied for graduate assistant position at Wagner. Um, they were just starting the program there as well. So I was hired as the graduate assistant to recruit for a year. Um, and I was the only one on staff. And I said, sure, I'll do this. I'll, I'll get my master's in education and then I'll start teaching and, and life will be good. And then I, I recruited a, a full team to come in for that September. And the athletic director said, okay, now we're gonna um, open the position to hire a head coach. And I said, oh, really? This is interesting because I just re recruited all these athletes what do you think about giving me a shot of being the head coach? Which was kind of a joke because I had never coached um, and I was 22 years old. And he said, sure. So they hired me as the head coach and I was the only coach on staff. Um, and we were without a pool. We drove over uh, about 10 minutes to another facility every day with the athletes that we had recruited. So it was a small squad. I think we just had our 11. And every day I fell a little bit more in love with it. So at the end of it, I, I had my master's, um, I had been coaching, so I could have gone and gotten a teaching job, but I said, I think I'm going to see how this plays out. Um, and boy, am I glad I did, because I think it has played out very well, um, as I love it. So no, it wasn't a thing that I always thought I would do, um, but now I wouldn't change it for the world. Wow, that, that's awesome. I love that. You, it's sometimes things you never expect that will happen, that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like starting from when you first started to now, would you say like anything in your coaching style, like your philosophy or anything you do now that you did differently? Absolutely. I think there's a ton of things we do differently. Um, I used to be a very big yardage hound. Um, if we got to the end of the week and we hadn't made a certain yardage mark, um, we were going to get after it on that Saturday morning and we were going to do a lot. Um, where now I've gotten to workouts where there's times I don't even look at the yardage. It doesn't matter. We just make sure that we accomplished what we needed to accomplish, you know, and I think the best example of that probably is our, our 50 swimmers um, this week. I think they went about 2,500 yards, you know, but in total, total, in total, Alexa. <laughs> and that's why you like to train with the milers. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so just, you know, changing from technique to a lot, changing from yardage to a lot more fast quality stuff is a big difference for me. Um, I think one of the other places where I've changed is trying to suit some individual needs a little bit better. You know, it doesn't have to be so cookie cutter of this is the way or there's the highway, you know, um, we can make some adjustments based on personal needs and strengths and weaknesses um, and, and go from there. And at the same time, still have a very team-based culture, you know, just because somebody um, is not doing this during the week, that doesn't mean that they're, they're messing with the system. It just means they don't need to do that, you know, and I will say, Alexa, I think you're one of the people who really taught me that, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be so, so cut and dry where everybody does this. Does that, does that make sense? Oh yeah, completely. I think, um, just flexibility is huge. And I think it's why we've been able to like, um, become the team that we've become. Absolutely. And I think we've done a, a good job, um, just connecting with the athletes. And I, I guess I wouldn't say that's changed over the years. I think, uh, I, 
we did a good job of doing that early on, but um, just making sure that kind of nobody's slipping through the cracks there and not having somebody to connect with. Um, I think we've, we've done a good job of that. Um, I've also changed a lot, I think, in the recovery piece of it, you know, now we're building into the workout, stretching on the end. It's not, you know, if you want to, now it's a must. Um, really pushing the ice baths, the recovery boots. Um, you know, right now we're all over cherry juice to help your recovery, the chocolate milk. Um, where 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, it wouldn't even been a thought in my mind. You know, it was like, you know, either you're, you train hard or you're out. Um, where that's definitely not the case anymore. Yeah, those are some great points. I love how you support us as people, not just athletes. I said this in my senior speech, but like after living with five other teams my senior year, I saw a lot of different coaches and just seeing you um, respect us as people and not just seeing us as a number. I really appreciate that. Like, what are some ways you support your swimmers outside of the pool if they're like struggling mentally, academically, even just like in swimming? Alexa, I feel like you could answer that better for me than I can. What do you think? Um, you just point us out to the resources and you're not one of those people that try to like help us. Like, you know, your limits and you kind of just say like, you can go here, you can go here and you, you're just like willing to listen. Absolutely. I think it's just understanding that you're all people and you're not just um, here as athletes. You know, you have a lot on your plate as a student athlete um, and the Bryant student takes their academics very seriously. Um, so it's kind of just respecting that. But like you just said it, I, I always say the door is always open, right? Um, I'm always very willing to listen. Um, sometimes I give my opinion maybe when it's not wanted, but uh, I think though at times though, I also know when don't share your opinion, just, just listen, be that sounding board. Um, and, and then if I can't be enough, um, like you said, we'll direct you to, to the resources available. Um, but just, you know, being, being empathetic, being understanding. Um, and I, I think my own children have helped me with that too. Um, you know, being on the flip side of it and seeing them live the life of, of being a, a student athlete has helped me just take a step back sometimes and be like, you know what? it's okay if we don't get this in today. Maybe it's more valuable for me to listen and say, do this, or maybe it's more valuable for say, okay, why don't you go home and get some rest? You know, you need a little sleep, you need some hydration, let's, let's do those things. Um, so I just think we use our resources, we listen, we utilize the whole staff, um, where again, it goes back to making sure everyone in the program has somebody that they can connect with staff right? As much as I want everybody to connect with me, that's not realistic, right? Somebody may just be like, you know what, I need to connect with coach so-and-so today. And that's great. Um, and just trusting that they, they will do the, the right thing with them. And just remembering life is just bigger than swimming, right? There's, there's, there's a whole lot more out there than what we're doing in the 25 yards in here. Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> so what would you say like a common theme or quality in some of like the most successful swimmers that have been through the program it can be like a lot of different things but just like one thing you've seen in the people that have been through Bryant so I think it's such a great question 
but I think it's like I'm, I'm scrolling through our list of um, rosters right now in my head and we've had so many great athletes and they're so different though they bring so many various qualities to the table um, but I, I think probably most important or not most important the one thing that, that they all shared was hard working um, right everybody who's going to be successful in the program of course or anywhere um, is hard working I think the majority were able to be patient and trust the process, right? Um, and just believe that, that it was all gonna work out even on days when workouts were really tough and you, you felt like death, right? But just trusting and knowing that you were gonna be, be okay in the end. I, I think the majority of people in this program are are people person, right? Like they, they want to connect with others. You know, one of my newer lines I say when recruits come is like, if you want to just come swim, be gone and not talk to anybody during the day, this is not the program for you, right? Because we expect a good morning in the morning. I want to know a little bit about your life every day. And, and we're going to really try to help you grow as a person. So if you don't want that help or just even connecting, um, being a bulldog might not be the best for you. So I think a people person, and I think the people who are, are willing to have some fun um, and not necessarily take themselves so seriously um, are, are the ones who are successful here. What do you think? Yeah, I think you hit it right on. I think just like there, just in my past, in the four years swimming with you, there's been like so many different personalities and just also learning to work with people that are different than you. I've learned that the hard way, the easy way, just kind of through my experience. <laughs> it takes all kinds, right? That, that's what makes a great team is people from different walks of life. And like, I feel like we talked about this in book club a little bit, but like your role in the team will change. Like throughout the four years, I saw that personally and just with other people around me. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody has a role and it's gonna change. I think kind of going back to the question I just asked about success, um, I think it's defined differently. I just want to clarify, like, you don't have to break a bunch of records, like su success will be, will look different person to person. Like, the, I feel like the most improved, in my opinion, that's like the most successful work because that, that's like growth and that can be like applied after swimming. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%. Um, I think swimming times is only a small piece of the success. Um, the growing, the maturity, the building on the team atmosphere, those are the things um, that have made individuals successful in our program. You know, every, everybody grows while they're here, some more than others, um, but those who have that incredible growth just, just make, make me so happy that they're representing our program. What would you say is like one thing that one activity or like team bonding thing that makes the team unique? So I, I guess our time with Susan Teeter, right? That retreat that we have every fall when we bring Susan Teeter in um, helps us really grow and reflect and be grateful for what we have. Um, it, it's interesting, I think, because every year, it looks a little different depending on the cast of characters. Um, and it 
looks different based on the activity that we do um, and how deep we're gonna get into it. But I think that's probably unique, really valuable. Um, I think those, even who would say, oh, I hate that weekend, um, know its value, right? Um, and I think last year when we were not able to do it, um, many people really missed it. I was half and half. I was happy I didn't have to cry for like three hours, but then I was kind of missing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> what did you, what did you miss? What do you miss about, what did you miss about it? Well, for people that don't know, like when we met that weekend, that was kind of like our group, like of people for the year. So we would meet with them at different points. Like I remember my freshman year, we were meeting on training trips. That was like three or four months after. So the constant follow-ups, like, I feel like I actually created like a genuine relationship with the people in that group. It wasn't like a one and done kind of thing. So I kind of missed that this year with everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the other big advantages of it is often somebody will express a hardship or something that they're having a hard time dealing with. And others realize that, wow, they're experiencing that too. It's not just me, right? Because a lot of people in the room are, are sharing the same emotions, same worries. And then to know somebody else is experiencing too, for some reason, removes a little weight of it, right? It's not as bad when you know somebody else is going through the same thing. And I think a lot of people then take advantage of tapping into that teammate and saying, hey, how are you dealing with it? What can we, you know, you think we should do something together about it? Um, and I think long-term that's, that's pretty productive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky weekend. You know, there's, there's times, you know, we've done it for, I don't even know anymore, six, seven years. Um, and there, there have been moments in it where I'm like, oh my God, why do we do this? As I see some people cry. And then usually though, when I get home and I get to reflect about it a little bit, I'm like, no, it's okay that they cried. It's, it, it, it's still, it has value, you know? Um, and then there's just another crazy thought of it too is, you know, obviously I trust Susan Teeter, you know, she's very good at what she does, but it's scary to me at times to put our program in her hands, right? Like, what is she going to say? And, and I know the itinerary, I know the activity that we're going to do all of that. I know prior, like we have a lot of conversation leading into it, but she has a lot of freedom to kind of free range some things as it goes along, right? And um, I'm, I'm thankful that I trust her. And obviously I would only bring in somebody I would trust, but there's still, it's like a small piece of me every time. I'm like, oh my God, what is she going to say? What's going to, what are we going to do next? I have the same fears that you guys have through it at times. Right. And that's not different every year. So that's probably the scariest part for me. Like I like having a plan, no yep. plan that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's where somebody like you, um, you know, moving away from the Susan Teeter, that was a hard part of last year, right? Was the no plan piece of it. I didn't like when they moved us to April for NECs, but. <laughs> right. Moving us to April was tough, but even like weekly, we never even knew what we were doing, you know? I kind like, of like that. <laughs> you do? Oh, yeah. it, was, it was driving me crazy, you know, because we were going through those phases, right? It was like phase one, phase two. Well, maybe phase two, you could work out a little bit more like phase three you can work out a little bit more and I used to think oh my god I can't publish a weekly schedule because if we go to phase two 
on Wednesday, we can't miss out on that opportunity where we could have done a little bit more, right? So that that's the way I lived day to day for the first couple of weeks. And then I was like, you know what? Grab yourself, be real. It's okay if they change midweek. Tell us we can do more. And if we don't, it's okay. You know, we can just readjust the following week. And for me personally, it was so much easier when I at least knew what we were going to do for the whole week compared to day to day. Yeah. And Erin Senior's speech for me, she shared her favorite Alexaism. Oh my just... gosh. <laughs> In like other words, like what is your favorite memory together? Oh, Alexa, this is so hard because there's so, so, so many. Um, can you go first? Ooh, I mean, there's like <laughs> the, the good, the bad, and the ugly memory. I'll go with the good memory. <laughs> um, I think probably my favorite one was just like, this is kind of like a team thing, but I think taking us to Ben and Jerry's, that just what stood out to me. Like you always made sure like we had like fun, like we were doing stuff outside of the pool. It was kind of nice, very refreshing. Right, right. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like the, every time I eat a bevita, which is lately every day, I think of you and having the crumbs in your goggles. Um, that's a great memory. Um, I don't know. Didn't you have a pancake in your parka pocket at one point? Yeah, that was freshman year. And then I just, because I, I like was never living in the Northeast before. So the pockets were so convenient. Like I just put everything in there going place to place. So you had a pancake in there, right? Yeah, because I was on the go. Um, what, you know, we just went back to WPI um, to the Hilton Gardens. Mm. <laughs> and there's a certain Christmas ornament memory I have of there that maybe we don't need to go any further into. Um, but that's one of my my favorite Alexa moments. Um, I don't know. I always talk about you two in terms of training, and here you're, you know, one of our top fifty women. Um, but you trained in the mile, and not just survived in the mile. You often dominated the mile workout. Um, so you're just your versatility um, is is something that I really respected and and will always um, remember. Um, you know, I, I, I laugh still about, you know, your, your connections with food sometimes, or more importantly, candy. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember all your candy wrappers in the locker room your freshman year. <laughs> um, you recall that? I do. I also remember uh, eating it before the relay. So I would calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of athletes that teach you a lot of things. Um, but you are definitely one that taught me a lot, a lot, a lot about coaching, life, and swimming. Um, you know, I, I think early on, I thought you were pretty quiet. Um, and then I watched you um, during a peer coaching moment, um, teach somebody how to do a turn way better than I could ever teach somebody how to do a turn. And I was like, whoa. Um, and then every time I like go to do a peer coaching moment and I'm like, is it worth it? And then I'm like, yes, it is worth it. I, and I can't remember who you were coaching. Do you remember? I don't remember. Like the peer coaching thing is like, not in my memory. Like I remember some of them, but not like all of them. So, um, this, this one, and it was one of your first ones. You were amazing. 
Um, and I just remember like every time I, I question the value of, I'm like, no, this has huge value. Remember, and I can see you sitting in, in like in lane, lane one of the pool teaching somebody, coaching somebody. And I was like, let's do it. It has value. Wow. So, um, and what was that? Um, remember when you wore all like purple with the scarf, the gloves, uh, purple jacket, and somebody started calling you a blueberry or something? Yeah, that was Mackenzie. She, I just had like blue everything. I didn't plan that; it just happened. And then I just kept it. Okay, a lot speaking... of funny things in your life that just happen, right, Alexa? <laughs> We're not talking about that. No incriminating. <laughs> oh, you are great. We miss okay. you. Speaking of outfits, what that this is my favorite memory. I didn't mention it before, but if you literally saw Coach at NECs, like some people would think you're like from another planet. No offense, but. <laughs> Just like, what is the story behind like these outfits? No, I think it started years ago when we were still a program that was was not winning and we were nowhere near the top. And we had a bunch of women who were very intimidated when we got to the conference level um, and they just like, you know, deer in headlights. And my thought was, wow, how could we keep this fun? Um, so originally we tried there was a different theme for every night. Um, and that was a little excessive. Um, and then I don't know, um, one year somebody, somebody made something and I wore it and it just kind of grew from there. But the reality is, is that's who we are. The more fun and silly we are, the faster we're going to swim. Um, so I don't know. It's it's not a big deal for me to put on a wig and, and just yell. Um, I will tell you a silly story, though. I received a letter from a parent from another team a couple of years ago um, saying it was a complimentary letter. But in it, she said, when I first saw you on deck and what you were wearing, all I could think was, why did they let this crazy fan on deck? She's like, I had no idea you were the coach of the winning team. <laughs> so I was slightly embarrassed for a few seconds. And then I was like, whatever, who cares? Right. Because I think most have grown to uh, appreciate it and embrace it. Right. Yeah, definitely something I look forward to. I'll be looking on the live, like figure next outfit. Yeah, I, I don't like that now. I learned that a year or two ago through somebody's taper letter that, um, the anticipation, they get excited about it. And that puts a lot of pressure on me, Alexa. You know, like I got to worry about how we're swimming. I can't be worrying about my outfits. Well, last year, you really, last year, like if I showed a picture, because the mask added like another element. So you had a cowboy hat, like glasses and a mask and you were going like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good though, right? It's all good. They, um, one of the freshman so that she didn't even have a cowboy hat she told me yesterday that this is that the cowboy heart hat is going to be hard to beat so now I feel like the pressure is really on I just got to spend more time on Amazon all right fine fine I gotta do some Christmas shopping first right, right. then I'll see what I can do <laughs> if you think of any ideas please let me know oh yeah I'll send you what I got all right send me ideas but the golden rule is the team can never know what it is before we get there. Okay. Yeah, I know someone's going to snitch, so no. I know. Yeah, so you, you tell me. Don't tell anybody else. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me. It was so great. Thanks, Coach, for coming on here. It was a lot of fun um, talking with you again. 
If you like today's episode, be sure to like, leave a review, or subscribe so more people in the swimming community can hear this podcast. Until next time.